Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Now, it's important to look after all aspects of our health so you can be the best carer for our baby, for your baby. But how? How is focusing on postpartum well-being empowering? Well, to help us learn about its importance is registered counselor and postpartum support international coordinator for Singapore, Lilian Ong. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lilian. Hi, thank you, Dina, for having me on the show. Now, what I love seeing is when it comes to professionals, it's not just a professional aspect to it. There's a lot of personal experiences that you sort of combine when it comes to your work in the professional field. Now, as a counsellor, what is your role in encouraging parents to find their empowerment postpartum? Yeah, I find that um, being a counsellor, I'm very privileged to be able to journey together with mothers as they navigate the kind of challenges, um, whether it's emotional challenges or, or like um, unexpected situations and then um, caring for their baby. So yeah, I, I think this is really an important part of helping mothers find their place in this new role. Yeah, and supporting their emotions so that they can be in the best state to nurture the baby. Mm-hmm. Now, what has been some of the most common frustrations parents and possibly children face when parents are trying to build their own well-being postpartum? Oh, I think the one difficulty that stands out most is how do I have the time? So yeah, parents with young children will um, always tell you that, yeah, there's there's like never-ending list of things to do. Yeah, so it's always a challenge um, finding time and and also allowing themselves to like have a good rest or um, put themselves at higher priority because a lot of parents, especially mothers, tend to put their children's needs first. Yeah, and and then um, always pushing their own needs to the last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think I agree with that. I always find like a lot of my friends when they have. Um, when I, f- I remember my friend who had her first child, she was dealing with a lot of people commenting on how she should raise the baby on how much care the baby should get, but no one really looked into what she would need. So the well-being that she would need to build up herself, like her strength back again after being pregnant. She was a big, um, she loved going to the gym. Gym was her biggest priority. So uh, postpartum, she had to cut back down, which sort of, didn't help her mentally as well, knowing that that was her routine, that she can't just go back in again. So so it's like, I think a lot of people really forget. They think about, okay, yeah, a baby is a cool addition to the world. It's it's amazing. But having dealing with the mother afterwards, and I think we really forget that in society. So it's a great look in today's topic when we're looking a bit about how to take care of the mother and also how mothers can take care of themselves as well. Um, before we discuss it, I love to get to know some of your recommendations and also some of your interests by playing one of the favorite icebreakers that we have on the show today. So the first question is, what's the most recent book that you've read? The most recent book that I've read? Um Okay, I'm trying to read this book called uh, titled Positive Parenting. Mm-hmm. I think I've got so many books, um, but I haven't had the discipline to really sit down and, and read all the books that I have. Um, yeah, whenever I come across like an interesting title, um, yeah, I, I, I will try to make a purchase because, um, yeah, I think that 
we, we, we can loan books from the public library, but um, the popular titles are, are not always available. So I prefer to have them in my collection. <laughs> then I can like take my own time to read them. And I, I sometimes even reread books that I've read before. Um, yeah, it's like going back to the same place, but you don't always have the same kind of experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I love having books, but it's a challenge having enough space to keep all the books that I have. <laughs> Oh yes, I I feel that very very much down to my core. I'm I'm a big book buyer. I love buying books, but sitting and down I still love like physical you, books. I, I'm yes. not so much into ebook. No, I can't do the. I tried the Kindle idea for a little bit, and I just could not focus, and I could not really sit down. It just reminded me that I need to check my phone every single time. So, physical books are a great way to just sort of like take away technology for a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how about a movie that you would recommend our viewers watch? Okay. Um, Well, I think that really depends on what your own interests are. So, um, but if you are into like human psychology uh, and mental health, like me, (laughs) um, one of the most recent movies that I watched is called um, a Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm yeah. um, not sure whether you've come across it, but I, I just um, happened to see it on the recommendations on my Netflix account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, yeah, the the AI realized that I like films related to mental health, psychology. Yeah, so this this is an interesting story about how this, I, I think he's like a 60-year-old man. Um, his name is Otto and he's he's become so um, bitter and grumpy um, ever since he, lo- he lost his wife um, due to some unfair situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, so shortly after he lost his wife, then he also got like retrenched or um, like maybe f- kind of pushed into early retirement from the job that mm-hmm. he loved so much. So that just added to his, his bitterness about life and he was actually planning to he was actually planning to commit suicide in mm-hmm. his house all alone but then um, when this new family moved into the neighborhood um, like each time he tried to take his life something would occur with the new family coming to him for help and and through multiple situations he found himself um, helping others because mm-hmm. that's his nature. His his nature is actually yeah to to be connected to the people in his life to help people, um, and through these opportunities that he got to help the new family and also some um, um, other people in public, and that that's how he journeyed away from this desire to end his own life, and he found mm-hmm. his way back into like appreciating life all over again. Yeah, yeah no, so, really beautiful. It's it's such a great film. It I do not recommend watching it while you're on a plane. Um, I did that and I ended up crying. I think halfway through the film, um, and it wasn't like a nice cry. It was a big ugly cry at the fact that how much how much went through his life and how much he looked how negative he looked at his life. And it was. It's so heartwarming to sort of see the different changes that can go through to like how incidents come into your life to make you make you better, but you don't yeah. even realize it. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, yeah. there's really so much about life that we can learn um, no matter how, how young or how old we are. Um, and I think that's that's why I'm, I'm so in love with psychology and counseling. <laughs> And even the books that I read, the films that I watch, yeah, I'm really just attracted to this theme. <laughs> no, that's that's so great. And I can definitely see the interest and the passion that you have for it as well. Um, now, could you name a podcast that stands out to you in any way? Okay, I, I got to be honest. Um, I'm, I actually haven't had much exposure to podcasts. I think because I'm more of a visual learner, so that's why I, I read books at my own pace and I even reread them sometimes, right? So I, I tried listening to a few podcasts, but I think it's just difficult for me to like register the information. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I haven't really gotten into it. Yeah, so okay. this is like the first podcast that I'm uh, officially recording. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah. well, that's so glad that we're your first ones. Yeah, thank you for this chance. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a person that you look up to? Okay, that's a difficult one. I honestly can't think of any specific person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. I think I, I'm just, I, I can be inspired by, by anyone, um, and whether it's a, a, a fictitious character or a real life person, um, as long as there's something that I can connect with mm-hmm. in, in that person's story, yeah, I, I, I find that, yeah, it's a chance, another chance for us to, for us to learn something and, and to see how we can grow from other people's um, experiences. Okay, so it's kind of like different people in different ways. Yeah, at different yeah. times in my life. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very much the same with you. I can't list a single person, but I have different phases that I'm that really inspire me in different ways. So I'm I'm very similar to you. Now, during your academic pursuit, is there a course or has there been a course that has really stuck to you, and you've learned a lot and still remember learning it to this day? Mm, well, I think definitely it's the all the counseling courses that I've been through, and and also um, a, a course that taught me how to be a clinical supervisor. Mm-hmm. That's where um, we're able to support and guide other practitioners in their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because counseling is as much a science as uh, an art. Yeah, so yeah. how 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 we manage each interaction with each client. Yeah, I think there's so much um, skillfulness to it. We can never finish learning it all. We can never mm-hmm. be perfect at it. Actually, it's just like parenting, right? <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I think I, 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 mean, I think maybe that's why I'm, I'm so connected with this um, professional role that I'm in. Yeah, mm-hmm. being able to support and guide other counselors as well as like seeing how it it how I'm supporting parents that I work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I definitely see, especially when it comes to counseling, it's definitely more of a you have to be passionate for it rather than just okay, this is the job that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. In order to be 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 good at it and and help the clients um feel that real connection. Mm-hmm. So that we can really work through the issues in a collaborative way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're bringing so much of ourselves into the work that we do. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that human connection that actually uh, forms a big part of like how e- effective um, this work is going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like AI can never replace us. <laughs> no, no, never. As, as good as it tries, it can never do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> now we're going to be talking a little bit more about parenting today as you do on the parenting show. Um, I know that everyone has a very different definition as to what parenting and what being a parent means to them. What would your definition of parenting be for you? Right. Yeah. So this is actually coming from my own experience as a parent and um, together with my professional experience. Um, I've come to realize that parenting is really about supporting our child's growth, supporting and guiding them in their growth. Um, and, and growth takes place over so many years. Um, yeah, it's largely in, in their like childhood development from, mm-hmm. from infancy to like the teenage years. But um, I think all parents will probably tell you that um, no matter how old their children are, even in their children's adulthood, right? Like we, we never stop being a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's important to learn like how our role needs to change. Our approach needs to be adjusted um, as our children go through different phases of their life. Mm-hmm. So it's it's never about like what we want to mold our children to be. But mm-hmm. our children will have their own life path. But we're, we're, we're mainly there as a support and, and um, guide for them. Yeah, and, and for them to feel uh, secure 
and safe enough to like turn back and and um look to us for for any guidance when when they want that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love that perspective, and I think we sort of I know that every like I said everyone has a very different definition, but I think that definition is probably one of my favorite ones, and I've heard that. It's so good that I hear that quite often on this show because I think a lot of people have that perspective and have a similar perspective. And I think it's it's amazing that we do because it sort of ends up becoming the universal definition to being a parent is sort of just being the guidepost, being the um, being the person that they can fall back to and rely Why? and know that they can rely on. So it's so good that we have that perspective a lot of us have that perspective as to what parenting and being a parent is yeah I think this is this is probably one of the biggest lessons that um, a lot of people learn as they go through parenthood themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and speaking of going through parenthood what do you think that expectant parents need to be aware of during that transition into being a parent I think um it's quite a common question for expectant parents to to be wondering, like, oh, um, actually, am I really prepared for parenthood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and and then um, with the amount of information that we easily have available nowadays on the internet, um, a, a lot of parents in this generation also try to read up a lot um, during the pregnancy. They try to read up on how they can they can like provide. The, the best environment to nurture baby in the womb and how best to care for baby after baby is born. Um, and th- there are also like parenting workshops for people to sign up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's most important for expectant parents to remember is whatever you read and, and learn um, through these like, uh, formal programs or through um, hearing from other parents, just take them as like reference information. Okay, don't mm-hmm. don't allow yourself to fall into that trap of um, taking that information as the golden rule. Because when mm-hmm. when you take the information as as a rule, as the expect expectation that you need to live up to, then it becomes very pressurizing. Yeah, because okay. in in reality, um, every child is unique. And every family's yeah. circumstances are also unique. So what works for someone else, um, you can't just take it as a standard template and apply it to your own um, journey of raising your child and expect it to work the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think the flexibility and, and allowing yourself to learn on the job, that is one of the key things that I always share with expectant parents. Yeah, no, I think that's such an under undervalued approach to it. Like, I think a, um, a lot of my friends over-prepared when they had a child. They got so many clothes. They got so many. They knew exactly um, how often they needed to change the child. Like, they were very aware of a lot of things. But they also overestimated how much they would actually need and how much they would actually use. Yeah, and especially much... when, when it's clothes, right? Babies exactly. actually grow very fast. So yes. the clothes, um, yeah, it's nice to have like some new sets of clothes because like everyone's excited about having a new baby addition to the family. Yeah, but but actually, um, yeah, among all the things that you spend on, I think clothes can really be lower priority. <laughs> yeah. Take hand-me-downs, sometimes they're more comfortable. <laughs> After repeated wears and washes, right? Yeah. But actually what you said just brings to mind um, like how a lot of parents tend to focus on the hardware. <laughs> yeah, like items, yeah. The, the the items to, to buy, um, getting babies nursery ready, all the baby items, clothes, um, diapers. Okay, what, what are all these um, things that we need to care for baby? But a lot <laughs> of parents also um, don't realize that the emotional preparation um, for themselves is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you have to feel 100% ready because I, I, I don't think it's ever possible to be 100% ready emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but at least um, having some awareness to notice what are the thoughts and emotions coming up for you as you go through that pregnancy journey and, um, uh, and, and that immediate postpartum period. 
yeah, noticing what are the kinds of emotions that come up for you and learning how to um, work through those emotions, how to get support. Yeah, I think that that emotional prep is as is as important as all the uh, physical things that you're getting for your baby. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to be hearing this term quite often throughout the show, but I would love to get the definition of what the term is first. Um, the term empowering motherhood and like how that context really means what it means to you in the postpartum period. Yeah, I think it's a very important emphasis um, to talk about empowering mothers because uh, a lot of the mothers I work with in counseling, um, they they come forward seeking help for their emotions because they feel so overwhelmed, mm-hmm. so overwhelmed with like um, new unfamiliar emotions that they're experiencing, and um, also challenges, um, situations that. Uh, just don't go according to the book, right? Like when you go for a parenting workshop, they tell you this is how it's supposed to be. When you breastfeed your child or when you uh, yeah, uh, monitor the, the feet and the, the sleep patterns, this is how it's uh, supposed to look like. But then in reality, it can be so different. Mm-hmm. So um, new mothers often find themselves feeling overwhelmed with all the uncertainty and unexpected situations. Um, and all these... Uh, uh, Emotions that that include um, a whole mixture, um, like positive and negative emotions. You you have some some joys. You have some uh, guilt, frustration, um, confusion, anxiety. Yeah. So all these emotions can really make the new mom feel uh, overwhelmed and and lost. Um, like what 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 do they focus on? How how do they get through all these difficulties? What do they do with all these feelings inside them and, and still have to attend to the needs of the baby? Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so I think that whole process of adjusting to being a mother with with all the responsibilities and, and expectations and emotions to deal with just puts a lot of mothers like off balance and they feel like, mm-hmm. oh, suddenly my life has spun out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how do I get back that sense of control? So I think the idea of empowering moms really helps to encompass all that we try to do when we support moms in this transition. Mm-hmm. Like, especially the emotional transition of understanding that, okay, now I have, I had to just had to get used to being pregnant first. Now I have to get used to actually taking care of someone else and I guess the not being responsible for another life sometimes exactly just just that itself weighs so much on the mother uh, Mm -hmm. starting from the pregnancy yeah they feel Mm -hmm. like whatever I eat whatever I do I have to be so careful make sure it doesn't harm my baby in any way Mm -hmm. so what are the common I know that you've mentioned some of the sort of fears that sort of come about but what are some of the other common like scare questions that they usually have when it comes to like, oh, am I eating enough or the, is the baby eating enough? Like what are some of the usual um, freakouts that postpartum mothers really get? Okay. So if we zoom into the postpartum period, um, mm-hmm. okay, breastfeeding has um, been recommended as like the, the, the best nutrition for baby, right? About one challenge about breastfeeding is that, um, especially when you're directly latching baby, um, you, you can't tell how much baby is drinking, right? Okay. If it's not not from the bottle, then you, you can't tell exactly how much is going into the baby. Mm-hmm. So it becomes hard for you to be sure whether baby is drinking enough. Yeah, and, and okay. the only way that babies can communicate is through crying. So uh, especially in the first few months, it takes time for parents to to observe and understand the different kind of cries that baby is giving you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so in the beginning, like every time baby cries, you'll be wondering, um, oh, is, is it because he, he's hungry or like he needs comfort or needs a change? So there's like all these, all these times you have to go through guessing and, and learn through trial and error and, and observation. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, this this uncertainty, I think, is one of the key challenges that parents have to first adjust to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Every other job in the world, like you, you work with adults who can like tell you what's going on, um, or like there there are um, procedures in place to tell you what mm-hmm. to do when this happens, that happens. Yeah, but when you're looking after a baby, everything is is by observation and learning from experience. So um, that that takes time, and this sense of uncertainty is really something that new parents have to learn to deal with first. And then mm-hmm. give themselves time to to understand their child better. Mm-hmm. And especially like when it comes to the mother themselves, how does prioritizing their own well being contribute to their their sense of empowerment? Yeah, um, I think very often, no, no matter how we try to have like equality of roles, um, it just quite natural that mothers tend to be the main caregivers, especially in the first few months of the child's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes um, the, the way society puts these kind of expectations and, and the way um, people define, like, oh, what is maternal instinct? Uh, what is a mother's role? Um, mm-hmm. it, it just makes women feel like, oh, just because I'm a woman, I'm naturally supposed to know how to look after my baby. I'm naturally supposed to know like exactly what is the right thing to do in each moment mm-hmm. but that's just not true okay yeah so so um, a lot of these expectations coming from society coming from people around them and, and even um, expectations that women have internalized on themselves mm-hmm. uh, really places a lot of pressure for moms to feel like, okay, they, they need to know what to do. They need to be able to take care of this new vulnerable person in their lives. So so this can bring about a lot of stress. Um, so there's so much focus on like whether baby is getting enough nutrition, baby is being cared for in the best way. Um, so people just tend to forget that being a new mom, um, Mothers are also having to cope with all these changes in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we bring the focus back to mother's well-being, it then helps mothers to feel that hey, it's it's okay and it's necessary to focus on themselves. How are they feeling? How are they coping? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what do they need to recharge themselves so that they can give continue giving to their baby? Because yeah. mm-hmm. caregiving is really, is really giving, and you don't always get the re- the rewards back immediately. Yeah, in parenting, a lot of the rewards come, um, like you know, down the road. It's not like your your child will immediately give you a big bright smile and say, "Oh, thank you." Yeah, I feel so satisfied after a good feed. You don't always mm-hmm. get that. Yeah. Okay. So so it's important for us to, as a society, really to to shift the focus in a more balanced way, not mm-hmm. just looking at baby's needs, but what okay. about the mother's needs or, or both both new parents as they look after their baby? Um, what are these new parents also requiring to like have a good sense of balance for themselves so they mm-hmm. can continue providing the best care for their child? Mm-hmm. So as your role as a counsellor throughout that process, how... Are you basically sort of trying to validate a lot of the concerns that mothers are usually having throughout that period or just validating their own emotions and their own the, their own intensity of emotions as well? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question. I think in counseling, whether it's in the context of parenting or other issues, emotional validation is like the foundation of what we do okay yeah because when when people feel that they're hurt they're understood that their emotional experiences are being understood then that in itself already relieves some of the um, burden that mm-hmm. you're feeling yeah because it's it's very isolating it's very lonely to feel that hey no one else around me understands what i'm feeling yeah, mm-hmm. Am I the only one feeling like that? And especially now when um, like social media is is 
so um, commonly used, people tend to compare their experiences with other people based on what they see on social media. But yep. that is so not representative of reality. Yes, no, I think we can all we can all attest to that, that at some point of our lives, we were always sort of comparing our lives to social media. And especially when it comes to, I think even me and some of my friends, when we have conversations, we see a lot of the Instagram videos of like their houses being so clean uh-huh. and like everything, all the dishes being done and yeah. like their whole spaces, their yeah. common spaces are just so, um, so neat and tidy. And then when you look in your reality, it's like yeah. a completely different aspect. Yeah. And that just makes us feel like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Why can't my house be as clean and neat as what they have? Yeah. I mean, I, I look at a lot of, um, family YouTubers or family vloggers and their houses are amazing. And I'm here living, um, living alone. And I'm just staring at my house. Like it's not clean at all. Like even me, just one person, it's not exactly the way. And they have about like three or four kids and still manage to keep their house clean. And then like the reality of their lives probably could be just that area of their space is clean. The part that they photograph and then behind them is a complete mess. Yeah, as, as viewers, we tend to forget like how much preparation actually goes behind the scenes. Yeah, before people um, post uh, a, a video or even a photograph on social media. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. preparation that's, that goes behind that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now talking about some of the milestones and achievements that mothers should be celebrating. Could you list some of the milestones in the postpartum journey that mothers can celebrate on a day-to-day basis that sort of helps their own empowerment? Yeah, I love what you said, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, because that's exactly what I would advocate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, a lot of times parents tend to think of milestones in terms of the child's development, like at the um, one-month mark or three months, six months, what is the child able to do at that time? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually for for our well-being, it's really important to look for like smaller milestones that we can recognize our effort, celebrate all the small wins along the way. That's what can help to motivate us, um, keep us going, help us remember like hey, actually that there are good moments too. Because actually the, the human mind has this natural cognitive bias that we look out, we, we pay more attention to negative, like what are the problems, areas to improve. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, evolutionary, there, there, is, uh, there is a reason for that so that we can look out for dangers and problems, um, solve it so we, we can survive and, and get better as a species. Mm-hmm. But then when we use such a rule for our day-to-day experiences, it can easily become um, quite stressful and, and even depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When, when we only notice like the problems and, and we forget that there are actually good moments too. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so I always encourage parents to look out for like small, no matter how small or how brief, okay, learn to pay attention to those positive moments like, um, oh, after feeding your baby, um, baby just settles into a nice uh, nap in your arms or just looking so content, you know. Um, yeah, that, that angelic look on baby's face when they're, they're taking a nap. Even if you know, like, okay, um, based on experience, okay, uh, uh, you've noticed that baby usually doesn't sleep for like more than two hours. Focusing on moments, yeah, just mm-hmm. that moment in time. What do you see? Yeah, what 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 do you feel um, when you're holding baby in your arms? Yeah, um, just being able to complete a feed without much fussing from baby, or being able to settle baby after a period of crying, and and then baby settles into a nap. Uh, being able to have five minutes of quiet time to yourself. So all these are little, little moments that you can look for throughout the day mm-hmm. and really help yourself to pay attention to it and savor it while it's there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the ways we can we can really like celebrate and help ourselves to keep going. Yeah, there should really be a parenting version of a baby milestone book of like the parent milestones that they were able to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 would be so helpful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Helping parents to see what are the milestones that that they have overcome. Yeah, because especially in the first few months. Let's not mm-hmm. talk about like baby's one year birthday, right? Some yeah. parents can't even imagine getting through um, the first six months or the first three months. Yeah, because because actually the uh, the for for a lot of parents the most challenging period um, simply because um, there, there's so much to adjust to, so many changes that they have to adjust to in mm-hmm. the first three to four months. Um, uh, some some people even uh, like call it the fourth trimester right after okay. baby is born like baby yeah. still has to baby is adjusting to the the external environment and and there's so much that goes into helping baby to adjust to all these changes mm-hmm. yeah so for parents to to go through the adjustments themselves and and find ways to cope i think that first few months is is one major milestone for parents, yeah, to give themselves a huge pat on the back, celebrate that, yay, I've survived the first three or four months. And talking about some of the common challenges, I know that you've listed some a little bit earlier, but what are some others that mothers and fathers face throughout that period of um, the postpartum phase? Not only just the emotional aspect, but also what the like sort of the societal aspect of it as well. I think just um, learning how to work as a team, yeah, mm-hmm. between um, yeah the the new mother and father or um, who, whoever else you have in the family, your your immediate support network, because mm-hmm. definitely that that old saying that um, it takes a village to raise a child, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not realistic to depend on one caregiver because there's just so much to do around the clock. Um, it needs to be a shared responsibility. Mm-hmm. So how do you work together as a team, whether it's with your partner or with the rest of the family? Because uh, different people are going to have different ideas on like how do we respond when baby cries? Okay, what's the, mm-hmm. what's the how, how fast do we even respond? There can be differences between different family members. Like you know, some 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 people might think that oh, it's okay to let baby cry for a while, and then we we like you know, um, gradually go into the room to see what baby needs. And then some people might be like um, having a greater sense of urgency, and they want to like respond very quickly and pick baby up the the moment he or she starts crying. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of these nuances to how we look after baby, uh, there's there's really no gold standard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. I I I always go back to the idea of balance. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. finding that balance is is an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how how quickly do you respond to baby? Uh, like uh, when when do you feed the baby? If you're trying to get baby into a regular routine. So that mm-hmm. things become more predi- predictable. Um, how can you try to like manage the feeding time? How can you try to um, like teach baby to wait just that you know half an hour more? Uh, yeah. How can you get baby to sleep? And um, so babies cry, right? That's the only way that they can communicate. And babies cry for so many different reasons. Even though we mm-hmm. think that the the key things we try to to look out for is whether baby is hungry whether baby is, is needing comfort due to um, like some gas in the tummy or uh, baby has, has soiled their diaper and needs a change. But very often, um, especially in the first few months, babies can cry just because they feel like overstimulated or um, yeah, that there are emotions going on that they don't understand, obviously. And even though when we when we pick baby up, we try to rock baby, try to like sing sing a nursery rhyme. 
um, whatever we do to try and soothe baby, despite our best effort, sometimes baby still continues crying. But mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that new parents will face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, that sense sense of helplessness, like, oh, I, I've really tried everything, but I still can't stop baby from crying. So parents mm-hmm. tend to feel so helpless and and not just helpless, sometimes they, they really have these exact thoughts, right? I'm such a useless parent. I can't even help my child when they cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but actually that's that's something for parents to learn that even if you can't stop your child's cries, just being there, continuing to be there, helping your child sense your presence is already helping them to feel mm-hmm. safe. Okay. So is it important to have that conversation with your partner and also the support network that you have about how you want to have your child raised or how you want to have your child um, so like if you want them to be picked up immediately or if you want them to um, let them self-soothe for a little bit is it important to have that conversation with them oh yeah definitely I think um Open communication and ongoing communication is so important throughout mm-hmm. the parenting journey. Yeah, because you you want you want some consistency. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, it it's it's still quite uh, it, it's still okay for each caregiver to have their own style when they are looking after the child. But um, within the family, you want to have consistency to some extent. So that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because ch- children, especially young babies, young children, they do thrive on um, consistency and routines, knowing roughly what to expect. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be like right down to the exact nitty gritty details, but at least roughly knowing what to expect. That that gives a sense of calm, not just for the baby, but for everyone who's involved. Mm-hmm. So there won't be like conflicts because oh you're not respecting what I want for the child and, and I'm the mother. So I think it, it goes back to the idea of empowering the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because sometimes when um, other family members with, with all their good intentions, they might actually come in and help the mother uh, by imposing their own ideas on how things should be done. But mm-hmm. that really makes the mother feel like all oh, their powers are being taken away. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so that communication and and respect and and being able to talk things out, I think, also helps um, helps the new mom understand better what are her expectations and uh, yeah. Sometimes just talking it out also helps the mom understand that uh, okay, what what I think should be done maybe is just one of the perspectives. It it may or may not have to be this way. We we can. We can talk things out and, and we can like help each other understand what's going on, what works, what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and make adjustments along the way as a family. I think that that's also crucial mm-hmm. to uh, providing a healthy environment for the child's growth. Mm-hmm. Now, dealing with the empowerment that sort of we're trying to promote in mothers internally, how do you balance how can mothers really balance work and motherhood? Oh, that is such an important question. It, it's a really big dilemma um, a, a lot of working moms face today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in, in our current society, so many women are used to having a career before they go into motherhood. Yeah, so, yeah. so whether whether you decide to like put your career on hold and be a full-time mom for a period of time or or you decide to um, like juggle work and family need, um, it's really not an easy decision. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and whichever decision you, you choose, it comes with a lot of um, a, a lot of difficulty trying trying to trying to juggle like, yeah, how how do you let go of one one part of yourself? Because even even if you decide to um, continue working, mm-hmm. yeah, as as a new mom, um, it's a fact that we only have so much time and energy in a given day, right? So yeah. the 
it's really impossible to give 100% of yourself at work and also 100% of yourself to your baby. Yep, that's yeah. true. So yeah. something has got to shift. And just mm-hmm. going into this mindset that I I have to adjust my expectations, how much I can give at work, how much I can give to my child. Just coming to terms with that, I think is it, it can be a process that really takes time and takes a lot of emotional processing for a lot of for a lot of moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but it's really not a topic that moms uh, and and families between husband and wives. Um, are so aware of and, and able to to um, like really just bring it out into um, consciousness and, and discuss about it. So sometimes um, women find themselves like only being able to talk about it when they seek professional help. Because, okay. because there's just this sense that um, people around them, whether it, it's their family or, or like some expectations from their workplace or, or general expectations in society, like just get in the way of, they feel like there's no space for them to really be honest and talk about like what what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They, yeah, mothers may know that um they they can't always get things exactly the way they want it, but then for them to come to terms with such adjustments, there mm-hmm. needs to be a safe space for them mm-hmm. to talk through and and process all these emotions. Yeah. Yep. So within Especially, that, that, that network, if, if, if they can't have that safety to talk about things, then sometimes mm-hmm. that, that struggle can really put a lot of um, emotional stress on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then I guess like the work, because work would get them to choose work, for example, and then society or family members would get them to choose the child over work. So like having that, that that's probably what the best part of your job is, is sort of helping them really discuss what they want to do and sort of take their, because I know like a lot of my friends, a couple of my friends who chose to um, leave their job and stay at home, they're like, there's no way that they could have balanced the both of them. And they, they knew that right from the get go, they knew that this was going to be they needed to, they wanted to raise the child. They knew that that was what they wanted to do. And having that conversation with themselves saying that, okay, like these are friends who went through all the way to their master's degree in order to get the job, in order to get um, the career that they really wanted to do. And suddenly having to accept and even just like, in a way, I think my friends were mourning the fact that they left their entire, what they've built their entire life to do behind just to raise a child and they were mourning that for quite a long time that was like a big thing with them and it was it was really it was really sad for them but also it but they knew that this is what they wanted to do yeah yeah so the word mourning is really so appropriate because it is a loss mm-hmm. yeah it's it's loss of a, a part of their identity who they are as a person it's, it's not. It doesn't mean that when you become a mom, then your whole identity is only revolving around being a mom. Yeah, like yeah. you said, what what they have achieved in their life until this this point, right? Um, yeah, that 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 their studies, their their work, how how far they've come in their career. Yeah, that meant a lot to them. Yeah, because all the effort that you put in over the years, definitely mm-hmm. that means something. Yeah, and to put yeah. that aside, even if you know that one day you can get back to your career, but it mm-hmm. is still really, you know, putting your career on hold. And not just on hold, but um, the reality is when full-time mothers eventually want to get back into the workforce, uh, a lot of them feel like they have like taken many steps back. Because yep. all, all their peers are continuing to progress, right? But that time away from the workforce really sets them back. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a sacrifice. Even though, like you said, um, they very much want to be the full time mom at that point in their life, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take away the fact that they have to give up something, and it is a loss that they have 
they they need that time and space to come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really difficult decision, and I I could not imagine being on the being the person having to decide between the two, especially after everything. And it's it's so incredible to sort of see how people really come to terms with that. And I've seen that firsthand as how some of my friends have decided that and their priorities sort of shift. I think we spoke about priorities a little bit earlier in the show as well. Yeah, so priorities, now- priorities. It's, it's uh, yeah, always hard to decide. <laughs> it's like yeah. really just one over the other. Exactly, exactly. So now we're going to be looking into some of the practices and habits that you implement yourself. Um, so what is a practice that you do to motivate yourself to find that balance between the professional life and the personal life? Yeah, I think um, what I shared earlier about um, bringing a lot of ourselves into the counseling work that I do Um yeah, sometimes it's it's really hard to have that kind of um, like like boundary between personal and professional life. Mm-hmm. So I find that it it's really important to just regularly ask myself like, hey, um, how's my balance recently? Like just just uh, a check in with myself uh, to have a sense of like, uh, hey, am I am I getting enough? time to myself mm-hmm. um yeah and and overall how is my well-being and um how am i balancing all the different parts of my life that really matter to me mm-hmm. yeah so um I, I think mindfulness has really helped me to maintain that balance over the years mm-hmm. as a counselor as a parent yeah um of course i'm, I'm not saying that i'm always like perfectly mindful yeah. but that's that's how mindfulness is it's like always ongoing practice um throughout our lives and um yeah it's, it's just something that we can go back to and and remind ourselves like you know to to have pauses in between all these things that we're doing mm-hmm. right not not just always focusing on the external tasks and responsibilities and do 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 but having pauses to really Tune inward, connect with ourselves, and mm-hmm. and and just just be. Yeah, I think that's the greatest difference that mindfulness brings into our life. Yeah, helping us to shift away from doing, and connect with just just being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and connecting with like how noticing how we are in in this moment, so so that with that awareness, then we can see whether there are. Um, parts that are not balancing and, and then we can make adjustments. We can we can help ourselves like take care of um, wh- wh- whatever those needs are. And that's how we regain a sense of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mindfulness doesn't have to be like sit down formal meditation kind of practices. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I used to think before I, I really understood more about mindfulness. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was just meditation. But um, over time, I've learned that we can like really built in mindfulness practices in, in our day-to-day routines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other day I was sharing with a client, like even just um, brushing our teeth, we can do it mindfully. When we're okay. taking a shower, we can do it mindfully. Because mm-hmm. we, we don't realize how often our mind just goes off to other things and, and it's not on the present moment. So when brushing yep. your teeth, you could be like thinking of like what you have uh, what what you have gone through the whole day and then um, like which parts um, didn't go so well. So it could be like, you know, dwelling on what happened during the day uh-huh. or it could be like thinking, um, oh, what, what do you have later on or the next day, how busy it is going to be. Yeah, but if we could just take that moment to be with ourselves as we're doing the current activity, it really uh-huh. helps to like slow our minds down. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's in that moment, you actually help yourself to set aside everything else and just be quiet and just connect with what you're doing for now. That That okay. is so freeing for the mind. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess it's important to be honest with yourself when yeah. it comes to the practice as well. Yeah, being being honest and and really connecting with what's happening in this mm-hmm. moment. Okay. Yeah. So how often do you try to practice just the idea of just the concept of being mindful? I really try to practice it in in small ways um, mm-hmm. every day. Okay. Every day, yeah. Um, even if it's just a short practice, like um, being mindful as I walk from one place to another, mm-hmm. like going from my home to the to the bus stop or train station, just reminding myself to put my phone aside, not just put it, yeah, put it into my bag, not even hold my phone in my hand, because when the phone's in the hand, there's this temptation to like just have a look and see, yeah, what what messages can I reply or what uh, information can I read while walking, make the best use of time. That's what we've gotten so used to. But actually, it's very, very helpful to do one thing at a time. And and you can mm-hmm. use small opportunities like when you're walking or when you're, okay. um, yeah, when, when you're uh, having a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just reminding yourself to, hey, do that one thing in this moment and set aside everything else, just connecting with how it feels when I'm walking, yeah, each footstep that lands on the floor, how does that mm-hmm. feel like? And then noticing my, my body posture, noticing the pace that I'm walking. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes yeah. uh, a lot of our behaviors actually just happen because it's habitual. So yeah. I could get into a habit of like rushing through my whole day and just trying to do everything fast because in my mind, there's so many things that I need to complete. But that behavior of rushing actually also perpetuates it. It maintains that sense of stress mm-hmm. that I'm I'm uh, just not able to relax. Yeah. yeah. So if I can if I can remind myself to um, just notice how I'm walking and if there's no real need to rush, then remind myself to hey just slow down and and walk at a leisurely pace, even if everyone else around me is rushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do what I need to, really need to do in that moment. Yeah. Not not just going along because yeah, everything else seems to be pulling me in that direction. But I can choose how I want to be in each moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how I, do you find that this practice mm-hmm. sort of helps or impacts your your parenting? I think. Regularly practicing mindfulness in in these ways, right? Um, just because then it becomes uh, a, a new helpful habit okay. that I can, with regular practice, then then any moment I can easily remind myself, like, hey, hang on, um, okay, let's connect with what's happening right now instead mm-hmm. of like thinking ten steps ahead and worrying about what's going to happen later. You know, if I don't do this right with my child, then what's going to happen? a few days or, or months down the road, we get so caught up in, in all these um, anxieties about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually what's ma- what matters most is right now, how we are interacting with our child right now. Mm-hmm. That's really what matters most and what we have the most control over is right now. Yeah, yeah. so so this regular practice of, of being mindful and connecting with what I'm doing right now I apply it in all my parenting interactions with mm-hmm. my child and that helps me to really regulate my own emotions and then I'm able to 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 have the the most I would say um, the most present kind of interaction and and maximize the connection that I have with my child in that moment. Okay. No, that's that's a really interesting and I've heard of like the impact that mindfulness has on a lot. Like I think a lot of people sort of say the same thing when it comes to their own practice of trying to go through, um, like be present in the moment, just try to ignore. And I think like I love saying that we use our phones, like you mentioned earlier, we use our phones to fill up that void or we use a conversation with someone to fill up a void of complete uncomfortable silence with ourselves quite often so having that like being mindful for me like I try to practice it um 
at least once a day, just sort of sit there and just not do anything, just sit there. Um, yeah, even if it's for a short one minute, right? Exactly, yeah. I try yeah. to do that, like, because I know I have, like, I used to have this huge need to constantly be on my phone or yeah. constantly occupy ourselves with something. Exactly. Yeah. So having that mindful, like, now practice putting it into practice, there's such a difference in my constant need to fill up a space or constant need to do something and have my hands moving or my or my brain being used constantly. So it's a nice change of pace when you practice it in an everyday sense. Yeah, it, it's a change of pace that allows our mind to have, have some downtime, which is important. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about it, even machines need to be shut down regularly and then restarted again, right? So when exactly. we... When we practice mindfulness, it's like how we shut down our minds and then reboot it again so it can be fresher. Yes. Yes, exactly. So this moves on to the next part of the show, which is our open mic. Um, This gives you a chance to talk about something that you are passionate about, something that you want our audiences to be aware of, or just just a current thought that you've had that you want to share with our audience. So in the last minute or so, I'd love to give you the floor and just sort of share what's on your mind. Okay. Okay. Thanks for this time. And I'm just taking a moment to connect with what is standing out in my mind after Mm -hmm. this whole conversation. I think um, what stands out is is really a, a key point that I really carry through in all my counseling work which is also one of my personal values. Um, Mm -hmm. This idea of continuous learning and growth. Yeah, so I think whether it's, whether we're talking about parenting or just how we're living our lives as an individual, Mm -hmm. there's so much value in in continuous learning and growth. Um, And having this kind of mindset helps us to see that Okay, no matter what what mistakes we've made in the past or um, whatever happens in our life that wasn't ideal, okay, that's, that's just one portion of our experiences. But there's really so much more that we can still learn and, and we can um, find different ways to do better, to live better, um, yeah, for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think um, no matter what, what we are focusing on in our life, it's really, really helpful to hold on to this idea that we can keep learning, we can keep growing. Yeah, and and yeah. I think um, it really fits in with um, what I, I I really connect with in, in psychology, especially uh, for the areas of mindfulness and positive psychology, because this is how we can help ourselves to live a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by by looking at what else we can learn, how else can we grow? Yeah. So this is what I hope to share with um, our audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that helps you in your life as well. No, oh, that's that's such an amazing way to sort of sum up the show and to end our like sort of a last message for our audience to really learn something from and really take take into their everyday application as well. I think it's important for us to really take a step back of our own lives and just sort of take a minute for ourselves at least. So no, thank you so much for sharing that. And also thank you so much for being on the show today. It was amazing having you on and sort of learning a whole lot more about how to empower, how important it is to empower women throughout the postpartum process. I think it's something that like I said earlier in the show, we don't talk about as often and I'm really glad that we got to promote it on the show today and we got to talk about it a lot more. Yes, um, thank you for this opportunity and, and doing this theme of parenting, helping parents to see um, yeah, the importance of well-being. Yeah, this is so important. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm so glad that I got to have you on the show today. If there's a way that audiences would like to get in touch with you in, like to ask some further questions or to have a deeper conversation as to what we had on today on today on the show is there a contact information that I'm able to give out 
yeah, I, I'm certainly happy to to um, expand these conversations in any ways possible. Yeah, so um, viewers can go to my website, which is wellnessjourney.sg. <laughs> yeah, and they can also reach out to me on email, Lillian at wellnessjourney.sg. Yeah, I believe you'll be able to put that in the comments as well, right? Yes, yes, we should be able to. And we'll be able to add that into our show notes below, which is going to be, it's just going to have a long list of resources available for for um, that we've spoken about today as well. So I think that's going to be such a great way. And thank you so much, Lillian, for joining me on the show and for talking about this. It was such an important conversation to have, and I'm glad that we got to have it. Yeah, thank you for having me here. No, it was our pleasure having you on. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode. You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it so that we can grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent. Thanks for tuning in.